Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Happy St. Patrick's Day to all who celebrated. Behave yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. It's the March 17th Fightful MMA podcast with yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Follow me online at Showdown Joe. Follow us online all the time at Fightful MMA. All your mixed martial arts news, FightfulMMA.com. As always, it is Friday. Uh, I'm super happy to be joined uh, by managing editor for Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, what's going on, my man? I'm dressed for the occasion, aren't I? A bangle shirt? What did I miss? That's a Bengals hoodie. Yeah, not not anywhere near football season. But I will say tonight, cats by 90. And you don't know what that means because you're a Canadian. <laughs> Explain, please. Kentucky Wildcats. They're going to mollywop the Northern Kentucky Norse. There's a bit of a rivalry here. This is These are the two schools that are literally – I'm right between. Is Northern NCAA Kentucky ball? Yeah, the first round of the tournament, University of Kentucky, which I was raised on, never attended. I'll probably end up taking a few classes there. But Northern Kentucky University, I actually called, uh, I've called hundreds of fights there. So, I mean, that has a little special place in my heart as well. Well, the NCAA bracket, uh, bracketology and everything is massive here in Canada. I can tell you that. We're talking about to the point where anchors uh, on the various sports stations will literally, in between highlights, will just discuss various things. So uh, they've had some pretty big names come on various shows here. So the NCAA uh, tournament in general, uh, you know, Final Four, whatever, it is, it's pretty big up here. I haven't participated in a bracket in, in a few years, especially since my life was all UFC for the longest time, uh, maybe next year, because, you know, you can do it for fun. Uh, I think the the odds of getting a perfect bracket I heard was one in nine quintillion. It's it's very 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 rare. And I actually won one in like the sixth grade because I picked Syracuse and Kentucky. And the only reason I picked Syracuse, I was eleven at the time, was because WWE wrestler Shawn Michaels got the shit beat out of him by like six guys in Syracuse. And I was like, seems good enough for me. I'll pick. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever won an NCAA tournament bracket. Uh, I've won NBA, I've won NHL, I've won football, NFL. 
don't know if I've won in NCAA, uh, but I may have to do it next year. Um, lots to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts, though, Sean. Um, I, I didn't have a chance to speak with you. Uh, I, I was obviously on vacation, uh, and the event went down in Brazil with Belfort and Gasolum, uh, Shogun and Volante. Um, I'm sure you've given your thoughts to a variety of people, but it hasn't been on this podcast per se. Um, your thoughts on that event? Yeah, I did a little show on Sunday covering that, Ring of Honor, uh, Impact Wrestling, but I thought that event was awesome. That was the event we all deserved after that Woodley Thompson main event. That was <clears throat> that Shogun fight. I cannot believe Shogun didn't get a bonus. You're right. That is yeah. weird to me because that fight kicked ass. The finish was incredible. Shogun looked so old, but an old Shogun still gets it done over – everybody but like i guess 10 guys in the division it it was an unbelievable show you mentioned shogun's old and 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 i'll be the first to admit that i've said for a long time that you know he's always you know in the twilight of his career uh he's on the downswing but the fact that he did that with he did that to john volante and the, and the good thing that i liked about shogun in this fight was he was very protective he was methodical he was i wouldn't say he was over but he was very methodical. Anytime he was too close to danger, he did have his hands up. Anytime Volante would get too aggressive, the hands would go back up, protecting his jaw, protecting his ear, protecting his chin. Uh, and he was just patient. And he did a fantastic job, and he was able to do it. I mean, it's, it's funny because before the bout or before the event, you know, Vitor Belfort had talked about a League of Legends, uh, and the, one of the people that came to mind, obviously, was Shogun. I'd love to see him in that quote-unquote uh, League of Legends or Legends League, whatever you want to call it. But he still looks pretty good. I mean, he's not taking out the likes of Gustafson or, or, you know, Rumble Johnson in that division, but he's still sort of relevant. I mean, eventually it's going to catch up to him, but I think he looked pretty damn good. Yeah, I thought it was great, especially considering, you know, Ryan Bader seems all but gone now. He was pulled from the rankings. We, I, I, we've said it so many times on this podcast, like, he's, he's a couple accidents away, maybe one accident away from being in there for a title shot. <laughs> You know, I thought it was very sweet of the man to say, you know what, I don't deserve it as much as the winner of Gustafson Teixeira would. Uh, yeah, he deserves it more than Alexander Gustafson because Alexander Gustafson, one, never fights, and two, never wins. He's won two fights over the last three and a half years. So, yeah, I think Shogun deserves it more than Alexander Gustafson, who over the past few years has just beaten Manoa and... I think he won, he beat Jan Blachowicz in September. Well, I think when you do the math of what happened with Gustafsson, it's not like he, he you know, the only bad loss was the Rumble loss, right? I mean, he, he's gone toe-to-toe with John Jones. He's gone toe-to-toe with, with Daniel Cormier. Uh, he's just that, I guess, fence guy. He's the fence guy three or four that you, you kind of need to get past almost to get that title shot. He just can't beat those top two or three guys, but no one can beat him. Well, here's the thing. UFC, this regime especially, needs guys like Shogun. And they need guys like Shogun to still win because he is a bit of a needle mover. He does have some name recognition behind him. They're letting the Kyoji Horiguchis, the Eric Perez's, uh, Lorenz Larkins, who really they don't sell pay-per-views. I hate to say that, but I mean, and maybe one day they will, but anybody that isn't recognized by the general public or at least uh, casual MMA fans, they're just letting walk. But they're keeping guys like Shogun and Frankie Edgar around, even though they may be just a little bit past their prime, or in Shogun's case, probably way past it. Uh, Sean just mentioned Frankie Edgar. We'll touch on Frankie Edgar a little bit later on on the show because uh, he's got a crazy matchup coming up uh, on this Dallas card, this UFC 211, I believe, Dallas card, which is just 
incredible. Uh, I wish they would have did it for UFC 210 uh, in Buffalo, but that's another story altogether. Um, Edson Barbosa. I mean, actually, we haven't even touched on the main. Let's go to the main event very quickly. Um, Kelvin Gaslam obviously takes over Vitor Belfort. Vitor Belfort, people are throwing up those memes all the time of of the dad bod that he has now. And, you know, Lies Theodore basically called it the TR Tour is gone. Um, he, he's, he said he's going to fight one more time. And Elias said he's more than happy to, to be that guy to step in there with Vitor Belfort uh, and to fight him. Uh, but Kelvin Gaslam takes him out in, in quick fashion and then gets his wish. He gets Anderson Silva. So back to back, he'll get Vitor Belfort and Anderson Silva, who at one time were the kings of this division and now here goes Gaslam on this almost this legends tour taking these guys out or try he'll try to take out Anderson Silva he needs to adopt that legend killer gimmick he's he needs to do it I mean it's worked for other I mean Chael Sonnen ripped off pro wrestlers all the time there's nothing wrong with Kelvin Gaslam ripping off Randy Orton and taking that thing if it fits do it that's a catchy nickname and you know eventually there is some guy who will beat Kelvin Gaslam who will make his name off of Kelvin Gastelum, sort of, you know, uh, passing the torch situation. He's taking the torch from all these guys. One day, even if it's a lower-level guy and a lower-level fight, he'll be able to do that as well. He looked impressive, but here's the thing. I didn't think Vitor looked all that terrible. His hand speed was still there. Yeah, yes, yes. He, okay, the speed is there. The power is pretty much there. But Father Time, that your chin cannot, withstand, cannot beat Father Time. Yeah, especially when Father Time's middle initial is R and his last initial is T. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess that kind of that's an uphill battle as well. Hold on, he wants to fight CM Punk, so I got to whip this one out. What's he fight- talking about? Belfort said that. What's he talking about? He wants to fight CM Punk. You better ask Sean Pearson about that next week because you know I'm going to ask Matt Riddle about it. So I can't wait to see those reactions. I missed that headline. He wants to fight CM Punk. What? Yeah. Yeah. Also, did you miss the headline that Julie Kedzie shit her pants in front of Vladimir Putin? Uh, I'm going to go with what is no Alex for 500. Yeah, that'll be up on Fightful.com this weekend. That's a fun story. Is that for real? Yeah, she shit her pants at Bodog Fights, then finished the fight with a mounted triangle. How about that one? I, I'm not touching it. Vladimir, <laughs> Vladimir Putin, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Touche. We Touché. have a good time here. We're here to have a good time. Speaking of guys who, who could have basically soiled their, their shorts, uh, Benil Dariush caught a jumping knee from Edson Barbosa, who when he when he loses, he loses, he gets pushed, and that's what Benil's trying to do. But my God, when he wins, and I thought John Anik had a fantastic call the way he did call it, saying another highlight for the reel and yelling it in the microphone. But man, Edson Barbosa, you can never, ever take your eyes off of that screen or off of that action whenever this kid competes. His last three fights, he's beaten... Melendez, Pettis, and Benio Dariush. That is quite the trio. He's probably my favorite person to watch in the division because a fight is never over with him because he could pull out a spinning wheel kick or a flying knee. He's right up there. I don't think he should be in the title picture. Well, here's the thing. There's no they title should try to there. make. They should, yeah. They should try to make the Khabib-Ferguson fight happen. It's probably not. Ramadan's coming up. If not... I would do 
whatever I could to make Tony Ferguson, Nate Diaz happen. That is a fight. That is a big fight. That is a good fight. Uh, Tony Ferguson will fight the way that Nate Diaz wants to fight. And that's, that's, that as an interim title fight, that's a headliner. He's calling, out. He's calling him out. Don't yeah. be scared, homie, and all that stuff. Who is? Ferguson or Diaz? Ferguson. I was going to say, Diaz never knows what he wants from day to day. He either wants a big money fight or a big name fight or a big title fight. And Nick's the same way. They can't decide what they want. So that's what I would try to do. If Otherwise, Barboza wants that rematch, but I don't know. Ferguson doesn't seem too keen on the idea of that rematch, so. Yeah, no, I absolutely like it. Um, I want to talk about Kevin Lee real quick. Uh, and, and the strength of a fighter uh, is generally his resolve as he moves up the rankings. And Kevin Lee showed some exceptional resolve, uh, basically getting tuned and losing that first round, only to come back uh, and emerge victorious, uh, even by submission. Uh, he's the real deal. Now, calling out Habib Nurmagomedov afterwards was, you know, yeah. I get it, cool, but not going to happen. But uh, lots of love for him, for sure. I love Kevin Lee's looking fantastic. I guess Kevin Lee doesn't want to fight until September or something because Ramadan starts May 26th, ends June 25th. Khabib ain't fighting anywhere near after that, maybe a month or two, or maybe two months at minimum. And it's funny because Kevin Lee said he thought he was basically the UFC's hired gun to knock Trinaldo out of the rankings because Trinaldo is a 38-year-old who's getting up there, and they, they didn't want that. Well, he did his job, apparently. That's got to endear him to some higher-ups. So that, that's a positive. Yeah. Your boy Ray Borg <laughs> takes out if he, Formiga. So here we are again. Poor Formiga. They want him to have a title shot real bad. They want him up there. And again, we're in a situation where a contender gets knocked off by a guy who barely can make weight half the time. Like Borg's missed weight twice. I don't know. It's a shame. I mean, it, it is. Fight, but uh, when I saw him winning that fight and continuing to win, I'm like, I got to think. Obviously, I watched it on the Monday. I watched it on Monday when I got back. Uh, but I guess my mind was traveling to, to Saturday night thinking of you going, is, is, is Sean Ross Sapp like basically slight, like cutting up his wrist right now, thinking what the heck is going on here with Ray Borg? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bummer, man, because I had mentioned that, that flyweight division is starting to build some contenders. It's unfortunate that Mighty Mouse got hurt last year and had to pull out of that Wilson Hayes fight. But because that fight didn't happen and because he already had a challenger lined up for December who wasn't even in the UFC, there's no way they could be knocked off. It allowed a few guys to put together two, three, four fight winning streaks. It allowed the division to exist. So, hey, I I could think of far worse things to happen to that division than that. But Ray Borg, man, I hope he can stay consistent and make weight because it's hard for me to believe they would trust him. If he had made weight, I would imagine that he would be up next after Hayes maybe. But I don't think so. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I'll, I'll tell you exactly who's going to be next after Hayes uh, in a little bit. Uh, and and uh, I do want to make an apology for saying that cutting risk comment. Uh, I've had friends that have had trouble before in life. Uh, I meant that figuratively. I didn't mean uh, that in any sort of way negative. Uh, Marion Renault takes on Betch Correa in a fight that I lost, uh, I wouldn't say consciousness, but uh, I didn't really pay attention too much. And, of course, there was the dance at the end that Pearson hated. Uh, your thoughts on that one real quick? I didn't hate the fight uh, just because, I mean, Betch Cohea is one of those women who she's going to be, she, she'll stick around in the UFC because people care one way or another about her. The Brazilians seem to love her and she still has a lot of heat off of that Rousey fight. And 
Of course, this fight would be a draw. <laughs> of course, it right? would be a draw. <laughs> uh, she was calling Mary and Renault granny and stuff. She's like six years younger than Renault. What the hell? Renault can still get it done. She put the pain on her in that third round. I, I did love that third round. Not, not a great fight or anything, but I thought it was good matchmaking. I'll say this. The new regime of the UFC, the new matchmakers, I think they do a pretty damn excellent job because – even shows like what we're about to talk about that don't have marquee names, I look up and down the matchups and I'm like, that's good, that's good, that's a good style matchup, that's a good style matchup, and it's people that I don't necessarily care about, but I know will probably make fireworks, and that Brazil show was full of them. Like, yeah, that was a great show. Uh, have we seen the end of Josh Berkman and uh, Honey Jason? Or at least in the UFC? Yeah, yeah, both of them. Both of them. Honey Jason's too much too much trouble for them to worry about, and Josh Berkman is he's he's gone. He's done. But he said he's not. He doesn't want to retire. I mean, this is a guy. I love the guy. Met him a few times. Fantastic soul. But got to hang up the gloves, man. Well, World Series of Fighting will probably have him. You want to talk about World Series of Fighting? I noticed that on the tweet before we came on live on the yeah. air. Uh, I, I saw something with Ray Sifo saying, yeah, you know what? 2017 may not be the year for the World Series of Fighting, but 2018 is going to be fantastic. Dude, it's March of 2017. What? Yeah. Didn't they just have an influx of 25 or $50 million in investors? Uh, that was about a month ago. Like, what? Yeah. What's happening here? I, I don't know what's up with them because they can't hold on to anybody. Uh, and they got very lucky. Like they, they got very lucky that Blagoy Ivanov – I don't know why Bellator let him go. That was stupid. But they got very lucky that the UFC didn't pick him up. But I'm interested in watching him fight. I think he's a top 10 UFC caliber fighter, and he's facing Sean Jordan. They got lucky that for some reason UFC didn't win Andre Harrison. I get the feeling that they were willing to pay him championship money, at least for them. And the UFC was like, well, nobody knows you, so we're not going to pay you that. Because that's, that seems to be their new regime. Unless you make your big name elsewhere, they're like, well, then we're going to pay you an entry fee. It's weird. Weird the situation we're in. Yeah, it's uh, – I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not surprised. I mean, in, in following as much as I, I, I choose to regarding World Series of Fighting – I, I, you know, I, I'm not surprised um, one bit whatsoever. I thought they'd trim the fat, but damn, man. Like, they're letting top five, top ten guys go. Money, 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 money. Yep. Money. Uh, Lawrence Larkin, he's officially gone. He's signed with uh, Bellator. You know, the negotiations he basically stated were, uh, you know, difficult, but it's it's one of those worst-kept secrets in MMA. He's gone, and he's gone now to Bellator. Good for him. He's going to get paid. He's in a good welterweight division now. That welterweight division got hot real quick. Like, yeah, you're I right. Think Luke Thomas, I think Luke Thomas tweeted, like, remember what it looked like a couple of years ago? Now Koreshkov has emerged. Roy McDonald's there. Lorenz Larkin is there. And even, you know, they're going to throw in wild cards like Melvin Gillard, who on any given night can get beat in five seconds or could just knock somebody out. And fight. like, you just, there, there's a lot of wild cards there. Paul Daly's another good example. Uh, a lot of guys that, you just never know what to expect when they go into a fight. Uh, a guy named Michael Page. Never heard of him. Yeah. <laughs> never heard of any of the guys that, that he's faced. That's for sure. 
He's a bad man. He's a bad man. I love watching him fight. Um, we are going to see Misha Serkinov compete. Uh, unfortunately for, for yours truly, it's against uh, Volkan Uzdemir. So two guys, once again, that I know fairly well uh, will be competing. This time will be at UFC Fight Night 109 in Stockholm, obviously headlined by Alexander Gustafsson uh, and Glover Teixeira. Um, Pearson told me he doesn't really like this matchup per se because Vulcan's only come in here. He's only got one win despite it being a debut victory over OSP. Uh, it's Serkinov now who would much, who, we would all much rather see fight someone in the top 10 uh, is now taking on Vulcan Uzdemir who really doesn't have that big of a name just yet in the UFC. Yeah, this is, this is another one of those fights that I think is, is matched up really well. Like they're, despite the, uh, Despite the the disparities you mentioned, I, I like that. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. Jesus, Serkinov, uh, Uzmir. yeah, Serkinov. So Serkinov is is a bright spot of this new regime. The fact that they were able to bring him back, correct, or or that they did bring him back, or whatever the situation is. I know that he detailed the situation, and uh, we'll have that on Fightful dot com. But he's a guy that I thought they were just going to let walk. That I thought that they were just going to let go away, and it. It seems like he probably did come back on their terms, which isn't that promising. But I mean, I this MMA Fighters Association is nowhere near like really off the ground, but they need something. They need something to prevent things like this from happening. But I, I wonder if the UFC would just be happy to have a bunch of scrubs fighting for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's well. Misha represents himself, which is a bit of a problem, uh, in my opinion, as is. Uh, but he's had some bad luck with management in the past, so he's chosen to represent himself. But there's no doubt in my mind when negotiations break off and eventually you go back. Uh, you know, sorry, negotiations break off. You do have other options, but then you go back to the original source. I would say nine times out of ten, you've bowed down a fair amount and taken whatever the other company had, or whatever the original party has offered you. Maybe if they'd gone a little bit higher, but probably not what you originally wanted. So, nonetheless, he is back in the UFC, which is fantastic, and he can have a pretty good run um, if he, if he again if if he takes the right matchups, markets himself correctly. Uh, he could be a da- he could be a damager in this division. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts. Your boy Kane Velasquez, though, posts a message to his Facebook, uh, or at least to his fans, saying, uh, I don't have a definitive timeline upon my return. Uh, surgery went well in January. I've been out for a bit, been quiet for a bit, but just to let you know, things are going good. I'm paying attention to a couple of matchups, and I'm looking forward uh, to returning, but I don't know when. Now, here's a guy, in my opinion, that at one point was being considered as the potential to go down as the greatest heavyweight of all time, surpassing Fedor or surpassing other guys. Uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. This guy's body just can't. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. His brain probably can, but his body can't. Breaking news. Cain Velazquez is going to fight maybe once a year. Breaking news. That is absolutely correct. It's very unfortunate. So his, his big announcement was, I'm going to fight as often as I have forever. Yeah. That's really, I mean, like, what else can you say? The guy never fights. 
He never fights. It's going to be sad looking back at his career, you know, ten or five years from now, ten years from now, and be like, he's one of those guys that I'll always have. I've got, I've got this like little box in my head called the what if, or what could have been, or what should have been. I mean, Carlos Newton will always come to mind as a proud Canadian. It's just so many guys that are always what ifs, could have beens, and stuff like that. I think he's. I mean, yeah, he was the heavyweight champion of the world. Don't get me wrong, but there's so much more that could have been done with his career. And I think by the time we go back and we look at it, it's just it's it's going to be sadder than happier. Yeah, it's really a what could have been because he just he just didn't stay in the cage. He didn't stay in the cage. He didn't take care of injuries when he needed to. He couldn't not he couldn't stay in the cage. Like it was it's really frustrating because you see fights like what like he has against Bigfoot Silva or Travis Brown and you're like, "Man, that guy if he would have fought two times a year could have been the greatest heavyweight fighter of all time." I want to ask you a quick question uh, about rankings because Pearson kind of came up with a thought. We were discussing rankings. He disagrees with uh, the analogy that many people have, including yours truly. It's something that I kind of looked at where if the number three loses to the, to the number seven, you know, I, I consider ranking spots pretty much as a belt. If you're, you're, you're number three, you hold that belt. If you lose it to the number seven, I could understand the number seven going up to number three and you being moved down, but then it's not fair to number four, five, and six. And it, it's, 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 there's no perfect system but he he came up with a he didn't come up he he accidentally came up with a thought or an idea of points you know fighters garnering points when they and this is just me thinking out loud and the same thing I did on the podcast with Sean Pearson almost a point system where when you come into the UFC every win gets you points if you garner a finish you garner points and it's just basically mathematical where then you'll know and it's no different than taking a look at you know the NHL uh, point system or, or looking at, you know, I don't know about tennis. Tennis has a really kind of interesting sort of ranking system as does golf. Uh, but just in general, like you look at points for victories, points for whatever, and then that's how you basically rank people. I think fightmatrix.com has a really good ranking system. It's not always completely accurate, but it takes in a lot of things into effect. If they haven't fought in 450 days, get out. You're, you're gone from the division. Um, I think that theirs is, is pretty damn good. David Tease actually maintains pretty decent rankings for our for Fightful, and he does like Bellator World Series of Fighting individually. Because really, what's the point in having rankings if there aren't interpromotional fights? Um, but I mean, you, you run into some situations where that formula isn't always right. But I thought that they're pretty damn accurate because you're not going to have people like Jake Ellenberger in the top 10, like you might see in the UFC. Because for some reason, people like to rank guys like him. But meanwhile, Kevin Lee is struggling to get in the top 15 UFC lightweight rankings. It's weird. It's a thing with, and especially you go through some of those individual rankings on the UFC.com thing. And you remember how much I criticized Bigfoot Silva for being listed? Yep. Oh, you go and look. Oh, well, who's that? Oh, a Brazilian reporter ranked him? That's a shocker. That happens a lot. That's weird. Gotcha. Uh, Some big fights happening at UFC 211 in Dallas, man. Frankie Edgar taking on Yair Rodriguez, and I firmly believe all the pressure on this one is on Frankie Edgar. Eddie Alvarez returning to the octagon, taking on Dustin Poirier. I think those two guys really need to sell this fight and talk a lot because there's some big scraps on there. And I mentioned earlier who could be next in line for a title shot uh, after Wilson Hayes. Uh, I think it could be Sergio Pettis, but he needs to get past Henry Cejudo first. 
That's a hell of a fight. They're adding some good fights. They're loading up these pay-per-views, except the, the, with the exception of uh, UFC 210. But uh, they're really loading up these yeah. shows. So I like that. Frankie, I mean, yeah, Frankie Edgar Rodriguez, man. That, that's woo, that's going to be a, a telltale sign for this division. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hell of a fight, too. And he... <laughs> Imagine how mad Ricardo Lamas is right now. He wanted that fight so bad. He wanted it so, so bad, and he's not getting it. But Yaya Rodriguez and Frank Yeager, is, that's the fight to make because you're going to test Yaya's wrestling ability. You're going to test how well a Frank Yeager at this stage can weather the storm. Like You're going you're gonna to see a lot of that. And that's, that's a unique style matchup. Like I said, this, the new regime, their, their matchup abilities, hey, at least they're, they're on fire with that. Yeah, the Texas State Athletic Commission is one of those commissions that many people kind of laugh at, balk at, say it's one of the worst uh, in the United States. It's not the worst, but people do mock it. Uh, arguably the best, in my opinion, uh, love them or hate them, is the California State Athletic Commission, who officially uh, put forth 20% of your show money will be removed and taken away from you if you miss weight. And if you win, 20% will also be taken away from your bonus. That's 40% of your potential money, your earnings, if you miss weight. You like this? Well, I mean, it, it's still 20%. It's just they take take it out of your winnings, too. And I, th- I, always, I thought that was the case already. I was more surprised that that wasn't already the case. And I'm like, well, damn. Wh- where's the real incentive to not miss weight a lot, if, that, if that's the case? That's Hell, yeah, that should have been done from the beginning. That should have been done from the get-go. Uh, that's weird to me that it wasn't. Because it absolutely should have been like it, making weights a part of it. It's the okay. part of it. You you agreed to be 170 pounds. You agreed to be 145. Yeah. This, this should have happened a long time ago, Joe. Why? I, I was shocked to find out that it that it that wasn't the case already. I just assumed I hadn't really. I was like, oh, of course, that's how it would be done. Nope, apparently not. Well, speaking of things that should be done hopefully will get done. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And you and I and and other guests on this podcast have discussed it uh, at length. And I brought it up a while ago that, you know, Dana White offering Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather like $25 million was assigned to me right then and there. They're in on this. They want in. They want to make money off this. They realize that it's likely going to happen. And then Dana shows up on Conan's show and basically says, yes, this fight's going to happen, but there are a lot of people, a lot of Eagles involved, obviously Connor and Floyd. Their people are involved. Obviously, a distribution deal needs to be taken care of. A venue needs to be uh, selected. This thing could be happening, and it might happen in June, but there's a lot of issues that still need to take place. Can you believe this thing might actually take place now? I don't think it'll happen in June, like like – T-Mobile Arena reserving a thing. I don't think it'll happen in June. It's awfully close to McGregor having his kid. Although, I'm pretty sure his girlfriend would be like, you know what? If you make $75 million or something ridiculous like that, I'll be okay. Right. I'll be just fine. Right? Yeah, I think she's smart enough to understand that as well. I would be shocked if it happened in June, but if it does, good. That's the sooner we can see him in the octagon. Now, if I'm Conor McGregor, there's a few things I do to set this up. One... I do ask for a Holly Holm and Anderson Silva. Jimmy Manoa wants to do a boxing match, maybe him too. But I will go on every talk show and I'd say this. Yeah, I'll do your little boxing fight. I would make it seem 
as beneath MMA as possible. That because he's gonna lose that fight, he will lose that fight. Uh, will he get knocked out? I don't necessarily think he'll get knocked out. He's got an outstanding chin. He is way bigger than Connor or way bigger than Floyd Mayweather. But I would say something like this: Yeah, I'll do your little boxing fight because he didn't want to get in the cage and employ all of my skills. He's afraid of the rest of my skills. I would set myself up with ready-made excuses because you know how people are, Joe. You know they'll latch to that, and they'll love it, and they'll eat that shit up. How long after Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, did we hear, Carlos Condit ran. He threw little baby leg kicks. He ran when he just had the game plan to circle away from Nick Diaz and stay off the cage. People will latch onto that stuff. He needs to do that. The money will come rolling in. And you know WMEIMG. I bet Dana White probably didn't really want to do it. But then WMEIMG were like, you know, we want our money back. Yep. So, so yeah, I, th- I think it will happen. I do. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And and this, this it'll do just ridiculous numbers. So um, Hey, maybe after that he can finally – maybe after that Mayweather can finally fight Rousey. Oh, God. That ain't going to happen. All right. Gotcha. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy. Here we go. Hold on. Yep. This yep. is a discussion me and Jimmy had. If the fight started in clinch range, collar and elbow tie-up, Mayweather versus Rousey, who wins that fight? Rousey. I think so, too. If Rousey gets a hold of, of – it doesn't matter if you're a, a man or a woman. If yeah. Rousey gets a hold of you, you're going to go flying. Yeah, it's the only thing is closing that distance, which she saw we could she we saw she couldn't do against Nunez. So, yeah, I, I, sorry, allow me to preface that. Uh, anyone that, other than someone that's a <laughs> trained mixed martial artist uh, that understands the clinch game from a mixed martial arts perspective, uh, not just a striking perspective. Uh, if you've never trained it and you don't know what it's like to have a judoka get a hold of you, I mean, I, I've I've trained at length with judokas. Uh, one specifically, a uh, very close friend of Pearson and I is Sean or Justin Bruckman, who's got a fantastic school just uh, east of where I live. <laughs> Gets a hold of you, like you're airborne. No ifs, ands, or buts, and it doesn't matter how he wants to do it. It's going to happen. And if Ronda Rousey, who was an Olympic level judoka, gets a hold uh, of Floyd Mayweather, I'm sorry, airborne, bud, air money. Yep. You know, like it's you're, you're going yep. flying. So, you mentioned Jimmy Manoa. He's headlining the show this Saturday uh, in London, which will be uh, taking place here in the afternoon. So good for the peeps out there that can get a a yeah. UFC show at a correct time. What we're used to here, uh, but it'll be an afternoon afternoon show for us. Now, he's taking on Corey Anderson. Jimmy Manuel, when he decides to haul ass, hauls ass. Uh, Corey Anderson is a game opponent, uh, but I'm leaning towards Jimmy in that one. Looking at the odds, though, the, um, I don't know if people have seen my article on, on FightfulMMA.com. Uh, Jimmy Manuel and Corey Anderson will be up tonight. So the odds are very close, which generally means this thing could go the distance. Wouldn't surprise me if it does, but if someone's going to win, uh, I'm going to lean towards Jimmy via TKO or KO because this guy packs some power in his punches. Oh, he packs punches in his feet, too, and he's like a shark. He, I love how he, he'll go to the body with that left hook, and then as soon as people react, he's like a shark, man. Like As soon as he sees somebody flinch or, or tuck their elbow or anything that indicates that their body is hurt, he goes crazy. And he doesn't go wild, but he goes crazy. And it seems like he's gotten bigger like over his last few camps. like He was already big, and now he's gotten bigger. Another thing that I like that I think he'll he'll be able to employ in this fight is he has a really nice underhook that he switches 
to like not a guillotine, but to feign a guillotine whenever somebody tries to take him down. And what he does with that is he doesn't really care about the guillotine. He's just doing that to stand you back up, to get your posture, and then to get you back on the feet. Uh, that's going to, that's, well, he better hope that it's really effective because Anderson has like really awesome level changes and double legs, especially. And here, here's my concern, Joe. When Anderson gets one of those double legs, he sweeps that body and he does it as good as anybody in MMA, where he sweeps the body to where he ends up inside control. And when he gets inside control, his weight is really great, especially if he can get you up against the cage and you're, you're trying to work your way up. He, it looks like he almost prefers that, and you can tell how much he's benefited from that Mark Henry training since The Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, that's very true. Absolutely correct. Uh, it's, it's, I like this fight, uh, and I'm definitely looking too. forward to it, but I do like one Not of the Not a main fight. event, but it is a good fight. Yeah, well, the one fight I am looking forward to a little bit more than this one is Gunnar Nelson uh, against Alan Joban. Now, I know Gunnar Nelson is a heavy favorite in this fight, and I'm not going to count out Alan Joban to surprise and shock uh, landing one of those punches or kicks because this guy puts the pressure on. But Gunnar Nelson has this ability to close range, take a bit of a beating, and some way, somehow get these fights down to the ground. And when they do get down on the ground, very good chance it's ugly for his opponent. Uh, he's got 15 minutes to work with. Um, if he gets any of these, and if he gets Allen down early within a round, or at least past the or before the midway point, ooh, buddy, I think it's going to be a dark night for Allen. Yeah, Gunnar Nelson is always an enigma when you're facing him because he has that awkward stance and he's really patient, which you know most guys with that awkward stance kind of are. It seems to be a pretty pretty fair generalization. He hops in and he goes in for, for a power shot, but it's always a quick power shot, and he uses that to set up the clinch. And one thing that you'll notice, <clears throat> he sets up his choke like this all the time. He works for a mount almost to a fault. He keeps his posture really low and his base out wide. That way people can't sweep him, or that, that way it's more difficult to sweep him. He'll wait for a shrimp or some kind of movement, and then as soon as he gets that, he takes your back, he applies the body triangle. He sinks in that choke. Uh, it's like clockwork. So I mean, like that's that's something that Juban has or Jovan has to watch out for. Jovan has those really good elbows. I like how he sets up his kick with a with a oh, two yeah. punch combo. Like he, he's really good at that. <clears throat> I think the way that he sets up his kick is getting like it, it's starting to be. People are going to start figuring it out. If Sean Ross Sapp sees it at home, I guarantee you Gunnar Nelson sees it. So I look for some evolution in this fight, honestly. And it's for a guy who, who has done plenty of evolving already. Uh, Brad Pickett. Frank, uh, Frank Trigg and I are sort of torn on this one. Brad Pickett taking on Marlon Vera, and this should be or could be, uh, likely will be, Brad Pickett's last fight uh, in the UFC. Uh, the, the question is, does he emerge victorious and walk away uh, into the sunset, into the horizon with his hand held high? Or does Marlon Vera say, nope, sorry, thanks for calling. Uh, too bad so sad uh i'm actually picking picket in this fight uh <laughs> you're on frank trick side okay go ahead yeah i think vera is probably winning this fight i hope picket wins it for his sake i hope picket wins it but uh man he's won one fight in like three years and it was a yeah. split decision he barely won that fight oof 
Ooh, and then when you when you look even deeper, like even the fight over Mike Easton was really close. It was a fight of the night, though. But I hope he wins. I'll say that. I'm not going to break this down analytically. I feel like he's going to fight with his heart, not his head. Yeah, he's going out on a sword. If he loses, he's going out on a sword. No ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, he sure is. He sure is. Oh Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right, Arnold Allen opening up the card, the main card, uh, with Makwin Amerikani, who's put some pressure on himself, saying he's not going to be fighting for the UFC again unless they book a fight, uh, an event he's in a, Finland. He's great. I love Amerikani. From the first fight he had against Andy Ogle, where he knocked him out in eight seconds, and some doofus reporter said, well, would you be interested in a rematch? And he's like, against who? <laughs> he's like, it was eight seconds. Do you want quicker than that? Like... Like, as if knocking somebody out that quick is supposed to be, like, well, rematch territory. No, it's not supposed to be. That's why Conor McGregor was like, why do you want me to face Jose Aldo again? I knocked him out. Like, one shot. That's it. Um, We saw him really challenged in his last fight against Wilkinson. Really the first time we've seen him challenged. But, hey, he stepped up and he won the fight. They got something on their hands in Amir Khani if he can if he can win and you know Arnold Allen if it's like I feel bad because if you, you wanted somebody to beat Amir Khani you figure it'd be somebody besides a, a, an Arnold Allen somebody that people might know yeah but hey I mean this guy's eleven and one he's he's a damn good fighter in his own right he's gonna bring the fight uh, to Amir Khani but I love Amir Khani. He's got a lot of tools. He's really smart outside the cage, too. Uh, based on the odds for the lightweight fight between Joseph Duffy uh, and, and Reza Madadi, uh, Madadi shouldn't even show up. Like, it's that bad. Like, I'm like, okay, settle down. But uh, I understand why people have Joseph as the Irish Joe as, as, as the favorite. But holy smokes. Uh, this one doesn't appear to go more than, like, two minutes. Like, oh, my God. Like, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I think Duffy's going to win. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, Joseph Duffy looked like the guy who could have welcomed Conor McGregor to 155 before that Dustin Poirier loss, because you know that, and that's a ready-made one. If Conor McGregor ever loses and you want a rebound fight for him, Joseph Duffy's right there, ready-made fight. So I think they want to keep him there. I think they want to keep him kind of as a threat, keep that in his back pocket because you put down one of the guys to beat Conor McGregor, you know he wants that win back. I'm sure he does. But he wants money more than that. So, and I'm sure I'm sure Joseph Duffy wants that. Everybody wants the Conor McGregor fight, and he's sitting there saying, "Like, I'm just hoping it's a matter of time whether he climbs up the rankings of the UFC lightweight division to the point where they don't have a chance or a choice." But that, that's an underrated guy in that division that people aren't really looking at. If he pieces together a couple more wins, that is a ready-made fight. I think you're banging. It on. is there. I think you're absolutely bang on. I like that. Th- I like that analogy. I like that theory. Uh, they're keeping Joseph Duffy in their back pocket just in case. But uh, there's so many fights for Conor McGregor to have, and so much money to be made. And I think it'd be great if Joseph Duffy does get that fight with Conor McGregor because that's a that's a beautiful payday, uh, a deserving payday, in my opinion. Uh, we got about 30 seconds to a minute left uh, in the show here. The floor is yours, my friend. What do you want to say? Join us live coverage of the Triple G fight, World Series of Fighting. UFC, of course, uh, tomorrow. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow at Fightful Wrestle, at Fightful MMA, at Fightful Online. Come there and hang out during the show, guys. It's an afternoon show. 
talk some trash on the discus boards, hang out with us. Thank you to everyone for tuning in live. For those tuning in afterwards on iTunes and Stitcher, we thank you as well. Spread the word at Fightful MMA on social media, at Sean Rossap, as he just mentioned. Uh, some funny stuff always coming from Sean on his social media, especially his Instagram, which is kind of awkward. But uh, yours truly, same thing, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Showdown Joe. For now, we say goodbye, and we look forward to talking to you all, to having you guys all join in on Monday morning. Ciao for now. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.